You know Geiger's bookstore across the street? I think I may have passed. You know Geiger by sight? Geiger's in his early 40s, medium height, fattish, soft all over, Charlie Chan mustache, well-dressed, wears a black hat, affects the knowledge of antiques and hasn't any. And, oh, yes, I think his left eye is glass. Hello. 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 My name is Michael Delgado. I'm on special assignment for Art Report today. And my guest tonight is the polymath creative Wayne White. His artistry has crossed disciplines of theater, television, the visual arts, and music. He's most well known for something you probably didn't even know he did. I'm speaking of his role as a strong creative force behind Pee Wee's Playhouse. Wayne conceived the elaborate sets and several of the memorable puppet characters, such as Dirty Dog, Billy Baloney, and Randy, a sort of alter ego. Wayne has not only earned Emmys and MTV Moonmen, but has had documentaries made about him, and he's a popular TED Talker. I greatly encourage you to easily find not only the episodes of Pee Wee, which are always fun, but you can sample his music video catalog as well as find the Netflix documentary Beauty is Embarrassing, all online. We'll chat about his unpredictable journey from a cultural southern backwater into the heart of New York's broadcasting beast and his rise as a fine artist here in Southern California. But we're most excited to announce his return to puppetry and storytelling, in a series of Instagram shorts he's launching on April 10th. More about that at the end of the interview. I spoke with Wayne from his LA studio earlier today by phone and told him that I thought his TED Talk, which is a fascinating look at his artistic journey, would be particularly empowering to creatives at all levels of their careers. You know, your your story is really sort of is is really inspiring for creatives because you have been able to, you know, follow your own voice and ignore critics and, and such, and then, um, and it and it worked out for you. <laughs> well, you you've uh, you know you're one of the artists that will go recognized in his own time, as opposed to uh, many who have not. So I, I must say I've been coached and directed by by a by a director to kind of help me with my communication skills. And then that was just, he would listen to me blather on and then he would pluck out things he thought was relevant, you know? So mm. it's not, it's something that I just didn't develop naturally on my own. It was sort of, uh, somebody kind of took me under my hundreds wing as far as mm -hmm. presentation goes. And so I, I, I can't, claim that as a, a natural inborn talent, although I did take to it, and I do like communicating, so I don't know. Well, I mean, I, you know, uh, you've been a, but you've been around storytellers, you know, so like your, and your own art is relatively narrative. I mean, not, um, not in the strict sense, but, uh, and not only because there's words in, and word play involved, but, um, you know, there, yeah. there, you've got a history of storytelling, so you don't know nothing about it, you know? It's true. I mean, you know, um, I do like, like everybody, I love, I love stories. We all do. That's our, that's our whole civilization is storytelling in one form or another. And, uh, 
I do uh, like communicating and being understood. I don't want to be esoteric or hermetic or uh, I think that's kind of coy if if you're trying to present yourself. And um, uh, I and I respect my audience. I if somebody is willing to pay attention to me, I want to give them something worth paying attention to. You know. Mm-hmm. So. Part of Wayne's success is his ability to engage audiences in his brand of humor as a vehicle to transport the viewer into his world. I suggested to him that humor is a very tight rope to walk in any circumstance, and especially so in an art world that takes itself so seriously. What's more troublesome is its dependence on the audience's intimate understanding of the joke's context. Without it, the punchline falls flat, or worse, it's misinterpreted. That's true. Humor is not prevalent in the art world. It's not certainly... It's it's certainly a um, a challenge to be funny with art, uh, you know, and, and not just have it be some sort of silly in joke about art or something. And I just, and humor is a great way to get your point across. And it was sort of the way I finally broke through with my artwork is being honest with myself and and seeing that that was sort of a default position on my own that I should that I should uh, mine, you know, look into. Interestingly, Wayne went to a fine art school in Tennessee that marshaled him in the Sturm und Drang of abstract expressionism. So I was curious, where the hell did the puppets come from? That came pretty, pretty spontaneously one day when I was in undergraduate school, when I was at Middle Tennessee State University. I never thought of puppets before ever. I never played with them as a kid. I never liked puppets particularly. I'm too old for Sesame Street. So I was never really, <laughs> I was never indoctrinated or had any kind of love for them. And, uh, my friend was just playing around with them one day. He, he instead of doing a term paper in one of, in his forestry class, he put on a puppet show. <laughs> and, uh, he had these silly, crappy hand puppets in the back of his car one day, and I noticed them. And I thought, you know, I've got a term paper coming up in art history class. I think I'll do a t- puppet show instead of <laughs> this term paper. So I did. I did this show with him. It was called Punk and Juicy. You know, it was like oh, a, right, punk yeah. rock, a punk yeah, rock puppet juice. show in 1978. And uh, so it was just an excuse to fuck off, you know, just have fun. <laughs> and I was, I was lucky for that one moment in that car when I discovered those because yeah. once I, once we mounted the show and did it, I discovered that it was something I really enjoyed doing. It brought together painting and sculpture, and I've always been a bit of a ham, so it let me perform. Uh, you can write. Uh, you can, um, you know, just all the stuff of theater, but the stuff of art too, the stuff of art Mm -hmm. materials was all there. Wayne added that he thought his formal training in ABEX informed his work, and I asked him specifically how that was and what he meant by that. Was it, you know, a being-in-the-moment sort of thing? Being-in-the-moment, there's something very, you know, the whole 
theater involved with the term action painting, you know, throwing sure. paint, uh, which evolved into a performance art in New York in the 60s, you know, like Alan Capro sure. and yeah. Klaus Oldenburg and Jim Don and Red Grooms. That was also a big influence on me because I've always been a big art history nerd. And mm-hmm. I worked in the library all through college, so I'd get all these back issues of art news and stuff, and I, I would dig the scene there in the Greenwich Village in the early '60s, and so I considered it, you know, my 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 version of performance art also because I was in, I was reading about all those happenings, you know, that they were doing right. in New York back then. A clear influence has been the artist Red Grooms. Also from Tennessee, Grooms is recognized as a pioneer of site-specific sculpture and installation art. But he's also known for a keen sense of humor that's tied to historical narratives. And he was oh. sort of always a, a guiding light for me. For He influenced me to move to New York, and I wound up meeting him and working for him. So he was always on my mind while I was doing the puppet shows also, especially the sets. I enjoyed making the sets and the stages as, almost as much as the just as much as the puppets. And I, I also often thought of Red. Cartooning has also been part of Wayne's work, and in fact, he was inspired by Art Spiegelman's Raw magazine back in the day. Wayne wanted to be a cartoonist, and he ventured to New York and pressed Spiegelman to let him into his art classes there. But Wayne is from a small town in Tennessee, and I was curious how his fascination with cartooning sat with his family as he made his decision to pursue the arts. Oh, well, I was always the artist in school. That was, I was, always, that was my identity from the first grade on. I was the kid who drew the best drawer, you know. And I, um, So everybody always kind of saw me as an artist. Um, they, I was lucky enough that uh, they weren't, they didn't, they never held me back. They were always confused and mystified by me. I was a complete (laughs) mystery to my parents, but they weren't, uh, they didn't oppress me. They let me do what I wanted to do. Uh, they still don't quite understand me, what I, what I've done and stuff, (laughs) but I just, you know, like any kid that had wanted to do something, I was just naive enough to keep plugging away at it, even though I didn't know the odds were against me. Applying his trade as a cartoonist and illustrator in New York City, it was in fact a gig back in Nashville that landed him the game-changer spot with Pee-wee's Playhouse. You were, you were doing cartoons, right? Yeah, I was and you're, in the cartoons. you're in New York. Yeah, but I never stopped doing those silly puppet shows. I kept doing my do it my homemade puppet shows. I do them uh, parties. I do them on the street. It was just kind of a survival thing for me. I I used those little homemade shows to keep my spirits up and to keep people paying attention to me and keep me in because they were unique. Nobody else was doing that kind of thing. They weren't well scripted. I was really just interested in the visuals and. The scripting was kind of haphazard, you know, and kind of ad libbed. It ran on too long. They weren't, they weren't beautifully crafted by any means, but they did have some real nice visual gags in them, I, I do say so. And I was doing them uh, in New York, and 
I had lived in Nashville right before I moved to New York, and I had worked at a children's museum there for a year. That was my first real professional art job after school. And uh, a woman, Allison Mork, who I worked with at that museum, had gotten a new job in Nashville at a local PBS station, Channel 8. And she said they needed a new puppet show uh, and set for a kid's show they wanted to do to teach music. And I thought, she goes, you should uh, apply for the job. And I thought, oh, what? right. This was 1985 in Nashville. And they're going to see my crazy punk rock puppet show. <laughs> this isn't going to work. But okay, I'll go ahead. And luckily for me, there was a, a young, uh, crazy uh, director guy there, Steve Capels, and he loved my stuff. And they hired me. And I came back down from Nashville to, from New York to Nashville in the fall of 85. And I spent four or five months there just building this whole show. It was called Mrs. Kabobble's Caboose. And it was, <laughs> it was to teach first graders music. It was only like a little 15 minute show, no commercials. And I built a set and I built this whole ensemble of puppets and this, this, uh, toy top this tabletop uh, opening with models and puppets and stuff. I just went nuts because I knew this was like my main chance to go professional with this puppet stuff. Right. And uh, they put we put this show together and uh, we shot a few episodes before I had to go back to New York. And I took all this stuff with me back up to New York in the spring of 86 and I heard that they were doing a, a show with Paul Rubens for uh, Pee Wee Herman for uh, CBS right. at this place called Broadcast Art. So I took my Mrs. Kabobble's Caboose portfolio over there, and that's how I got the job. Episodes of Mrs. Kabobble's Caboose still run 35 years later on national public television, either as a testament to Wayne's enduring aesthetic or maybe just a stubborn streak in its southern audience. Despite the demands of a hit TV show, and while still finding time to illustrate and also do the occasional cartoons such as Miss Carr, his strip for High Times magazine, Wayne continued to paint. I kept painting alive because I loved, I loved it, you know. I, that's where all the ideas came from. And I eventually uh, wound up back in the art world, or in the art world. I never really was in the art world until about 2000. And so. And that, and that, did you start the word paintings back then? No, I didn't start the word paintings till about 1998. Prior to that, I was painting and I was doing this history painting, <laughs> which is really kind of a weird thing. I was, I was wanting to, keep a painting studio going all this, all this time that I was doing all these kids shows like TV's Playhouse, Big Queen's right. World, rock videos, the whole uh, art director kind of life. But at the same time, I wanted, I still had dreams of being a painter. So I started this incongruous thing, uh, 180 from what I was doing on TV, I started painting realistic history scenes, you know, like Civil War battles, and George Washington. Wow. And I started to study realist oil painting techniques. I got books and read about it because I'd never been taught formally academically like that. 
Sure. And did did you, did that creep into your art direction then, or did you? It did. Was that completely it did. separate? It kind of it surfaced the most apparently in the Smashy Pumpkins video tonight. Tonight, mm-hmm. the, the directors uh, Jonathan Bateman, Valerie Ferris, playing you know very successful. They did Little Miss Sunshine, mm-hmm. and uh, they knew of my my history painting and knew that I could do this do this period kind of piece and. And so they hired me to design this George Millet's pastiche that they did for the Smashing Pumpkins, and it was a big hit. That music video would earn two MTV Moonmen, one for Best Art Direction and the other for Special Effects. Pee-wee's Playhouse would snag him three Emmys as well. Wayne's art installations seemed to me to be the more natural outcome from his career trajectory but his concentration remains in two dimensions, and his interest in American history has not wavered. In the word paintings, it has, however, taken a parochial turn in a keen focus on what it means to be from the American Southeast. The installation started because of the puppet shows and because of the sets of puppets I'd been doing kids' TV for so long. Mm -hmm. I just took the same, it's basically the same thing, only I get to do it in a museum and call it art, you know. I build yeah, that, that that stuff strikes me as much more, um, like a, a much more uh, obvious path for you and, you, you know, what you've done as opposed to word, the word painting. Yeah, the word paintings kind of are a niche. Most people know me for that, I think. I'm not sure, but... It's just one of the many things I do, you know. It, that really hit big in the art world for me, and that made me, that gave me the chance to jump out, get out of television full time, and start being a gallery artist. But right. the installations came about because I still wanted to do that. I still wanted to build environments. I still wanted to build puppets. I still wanted to entertain people. Yeah, I don't know why anybody would want to turn those down. I mean, I think that they're super powerful. Not that the paintings aren't in their own right, but, uh, you know, the immersive experience of uh, an installation is always pretty powerful. Oh, yeah. It's really my most – it's really the favorite, my favorite thing. And I've done several. The, the, George, the giant George Jones head at Rice University in Houston in 2009 <laughs> – it was called Big Electric Fan to Keep Me Cool While I Sleep. That was the first one. Plus, the history is is still there, too. That's that's a big thing for me. That uh, Growing up in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and uh, being surrounded by that sense of history, I always loved it. It was always my favorite fantasy. It was always my favorite game to play when I was a kid, was to play like, you know, Civil War or Revolutionary War. You know, you you identify yourself as a Southerner, you know, ex, expat, so to speak, now that you live here. I was curious how, like, in, if at all, in, in the word paintings which are done on uh, the found reproduction of uh, landscape painting, how the sense of or what you consider to be your Southern self how that is manifested or is, appears in that kind of work? Well, I would say this, 
a lot of my humor is southern, you know. A lot of uh a lot of the sayings and phrases that I use in the paintings are definitely have a southern sense to them. Uh oftentimes I take on a character and I speak in that character's language and it's always some southern guy. So um, like for example, so for example uh honey, where's my learning books? Uh <laughs> that's a really broad one. Uh, uh I ain't going around advertising surrealism. Oh, uh enough hair on my ass to weave a Navajo blanket. Uh, um a lot of southern stuff. Uh hineys and shooters with hotties and hooters. Uh, <laughs> A lot of it's, you know, from that vernacular. Uh, sure. It's definitely I, Southern that way. The words, often in pastel or muted colors and rendered in the panorama perspective of a 50s movie title, are integrated over the landscapes of found paintings. They are the reproduced, classy landscape paintings that now haunt thrift stores, the elaborately framed pieces that you would have seen in a post-war blue-collar upbringing. They're the paintings that hung over Grandma's plastic-covered couch. That's just Americana in general. Everybody uh, grew up with those things. Everybody's seen them in, in their home or the relative's house or at the doctor's office or whatever. They're this kind of uh, collective unconsciousness almost, you know. Mm -hmm. I think that kind of rings a bell with people. It's the it's the American landscape. Uh, you know. Wayne has been making word paintings, as he calls them, since 1999, but he's been magically able to keep the whole practice fresh and relevant. Wayne attributes this to an almost literary process. I'm a frustrated writer, I guess. Hmm. I often call them the world's shortest short stories or, or dare I say, poems, you know. Mm -hmm. It's my chance to write, and... Uh, um, and they just, there's a marketplace for them. You know, I, I gladly do them because people want them. And, uh, right. but I, but I, it's weird how I tumbled into doing that. You know, I never thought that was going to be my thing. Uh, but God, they, they really caught fire when I first started doing them. And I just kind of created this wave that I'm still riding. Like an arena band, Wayne is happy to keep performing the hits on tour. But like every strong creative person, he also works on projects that will challenge even his most ardent fan. He's returned to puppetry, and he's adopted the Instagram platform. Wayne also explains why returning to his roots is appropriate in our time of pandemic. I needed, you know, and I'm painting still, I'm drawing. But I figured that this was another chance to go back to my roots and create another uh, homemade show, which I haven't mm -hmm. done in a while. So I, I'm going to start uh, doing um, a little puppet show for Insta my Instagram. And uh, I'm going to keep it real short and sweet, 30 second to a minute uh, installations, episodes. They're probably going to be mostly visual, not a lot of dialogue. And um, I've been, I've not really 
I haven't reflected too much on why I'm doing it, but in a way, I, if I do allow myself to analyze what's going on, I guess it's like I kind of rely on these do-it-yourself homemade shows as a way of dealing with crisis in a way, you know, because hmm. uh, I was uh, – they, they helped me get out of this um, – slump I was in an art school where I felt like you know I was getting nowhere with abstract painting and and I needed something to break break out of the pack because I'm very competitive too and so that kind of helped me stand alone and, and, and be an individual in a in a sea of sameness in art school and then after I got out of art school I clung to it because it gave me an identity it kept people interested and and uh, kind of helped me get through uh, moving to New York. And it was kind of like my own little fort that I could work out on defensively. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. yeah, yeah. And I, I see that. And, and yeah. Literally, so, of course. You know, the puppet stage is like a little, little <laughs> yeah, yeah. fortress. You know? Yeah, it's like a little it's, kid's place they go. And, yeah. Yeah. And so here's another kind of crisis. And, uh, I can turn to it again to kind of help me define my space, you know, help me, uh, help me, gives me a deadline. It gives me a way to structure my days. And it, um, you know, it's nice to reach out. It's nice. It's a, it's kind of a connection with the world. So here I am again, kind of using my little homemade shows as a, a way of, finding my place in the world again. I'm super excited to see what Wayne's place in the world looks like now, so please join me in checking out his Instagram project. He's hoping to post weekly at Wayne White Art. You can also learn more about Wayne at WayneWhiteArt.com and at his gallery, Western Projects, at Western-Projects.com. I'm Michael Delgado. Thanks for listening.